Benjamin Graham was born in 1894. He wrote two very important books, and one of them is The Intelligent Investor in 1949. And it's almost 70 years since he wrote that book. And you know what? Uh, about every manager that I have visited this summer have it on their, on their shelves. And uh, there is a great reason why. So today I, I thought about doing a podcast on a small part of that book. And uh, you will know why in a few seconds. My name is Pierre-Luc Poulain. I am from the Inside Finance Cafe. I have you have a great, great time listening to that podcast. It's from a one-time classic. And this time it's easier for me uh, in English because the whole book is in English and the quotes and all that stuff, the reading I will do about it will be easier. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't have The Intelligent Investor, you should order it and read it now. So the Dow just hit 26,769 in September 2018 and uh, I'm beginning to receive some phone calls and some emails from uh, advisors and financial planners that I coach and I help and they're beginning to be uh, quite nervous of the of the market, of the hate of the market. So I, th I thought it was a good idea to revisit uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest book that has been written on investment. It's from Benjamin Graham. It's called The Intelligent Investor. It has been called by Warren Buffett the best book for him ever. And when he talks about that book, he says, you know what, if you don't have much time, you should devote yourself to read at least chapter 8 and chapter 20. So today, um, I'm reading from the chapter 8 in Benjamin's book. It will be easier. I've done that uh, podcast in French. And it will be easier to do this one in English because the book is in English. I will not, I will not have to translate. So it gives it gives me a little bit more um, of joy and uh, I would say easiness to do to do that. So and here it is, the second uh, paragraph of the of the chapter eight. It's called it's it is uh, the investor should know about these possibilities and should be prepared for them both financially and psychologically because he's talking about the fact that when you invest, uh, you invest in two types of things in his words. It is the first is in bonds that are less than seven years uh, in, of duration and in uh, savings and government and stuff like that. He says that it does not fluctuate. But when you invest in uh, stocks or in bonds that are longer than seven years, you should know that the, it can vary and vary very much at 10, 15, 20, 30, and 50%. And he said you should be prepared financially and psychologically. What it means is that if you cannot take, <laughs> you have that expression in English, that if you cannot take the heat, you should get out of the kitchen. It's not exactly the same in French, but in English, I like it. So if you cannot take the downside, you should get out of the stock market. So the question that are asked for to me today, to these days, uh, should I sell right now because the market is so high? You should not be in the market if you always worry if it's too high or too low. You should not be in there. And what happens when you ask those questions, you stop behaving as an investor and you're starting to behave and to think as a speculator. And, you know, I've, I've, I've written a book in French on Warren Buffett and I have read the book, of course, of the intelligent investor and stuff like that. But it's been many years since I have reread it. And uh, because of that podcast and the one I did in French this morning, uh, I revisit I revisited that, that, that chapter and it strikes me. It strikes me because it has been written in 1949, the first, the first draft. And it, to this day, we are now in 2018, so almost 70 years ago. Those words are 70 years ago. 
and uh, he said, if you cannot take that, if you if you uh, take the market is too high or too low, or you're thinking about that, you're not thinking as an investor. You're beginning to think as a speculator because the speak to speculate comes from the Latin word speculare. It means that you're trying to f to foresee the future from the uh, the facts that we have now. You try to anticipate the future. That's called speculating speculation. And when you speculate, your uh, your eyes are not on the target of the long term uh, return. You, your eyes and your horizon is now a short term. And if you if you are a speculator by nature, that it is your job, it's one thing. But if you have money in your RSPs, and if the the, your, the money we're talking about is the money for your re retirement, and you're beginning to think as a speculator. You may uh, have new ways of acting, new ways of buying and selling, of coming in and coming out and changing your different behavior of, uh, uh, on your investment. And that leads almost always to losing money, uh, almost always to losing money because it's very difficult, uh, if not impossible, to predict the direction of the market in the next day, the next week, the next year, even the next three or four years. Over the long, long run, yes, we can know, but over the short term, it's very, very, very difficult. Secondly, he said, if you want to engage into a speculative behavior, do so with your eyes wide open, do so um, knowingly, and then separate that money aside from your investment. That's very, very simple, but very, very good advice. If you want to speculate, if you want to sell high and buy low and do that type of thing, know that it's not investing, that it is speculating. And then put the money of speculation, put that in another account and know that you are speculating, that you're trying to beat the market, you're trying to get out of the market when it's time and get in when it's time, you think. And know that it is a speculative behavior and put that money aside. If everybody will do that, it will be so much simpler because when we engage into a behavior of speculating, sometimes or if not always we take all the money with us and we do, we do all those things with all the money with all our RSPs or investment if we say okay I am now in the position as an investor for the next 10 15 or 20 years I have chosen my managers I have chosen mutual fund or I have chosen ETF or what have you but you have chosen your your your, your way of investing then you say, you know what, I want to act, I want to do something about the market, I'm nervous about the, the fact that the market is too high right now, I will take 10% of that and I will speculate, I will invest, in, invest it differently. That is a very, very good advice. And then he goes on about the difference between timing and pricing. We're still, we're still on page one, page one of the chapter, by the way. <laughs> I don't think we'll be able to, I will be able to do, uh, to crank even one chapter in one podcast. It's too much information. So I continue. So he made a difference between timing and pricing. Timing is when you, it's about the market. It's about the, uh, the Z guys, the, the, the feel of the moment where we are now. The Dow Jones is 26,000 and this and that. The pricing is different. The pricing is about one company. It's about a uh, Metro, a Jean Coutu or Apple or Facebook or what have you. And you are trying to price that, uh, that company according to their uh, place in the market, to the, the profits and, and the benefit that they have. And you're trying to assess the devaluation of the stock market of that company and if the pricing is right or not that's called value investing so he said if you want to do pricing that's different than to do market timing and about market prediction you know he says if everybody will follow the market prediction the gurus if they are right so if if you think you can gain some insight by listening or reading the market gurus the different ones 
uh, if everybody will follow them then everybody will sell when they say to sell and everybody will buy when they say to buy so if it was like that uh, when there was time to sell nobody will buy and when it was it would be time to buy nobody will, will sell to you so it's almost impossible for the general market to make more money than the general market by listening to the pundits on TV, on radio, on newspaper, and what have you. But because there is a great, great need for advice, for prediction, Benjamin Graham said, because there is a great, great need in that matter. So there is an offer and because there is a demand, not a need, there is a great, great demand for advice. There is a great demand for futuristic thing. So there is an offer and the market is created before because there is a demand for that. And then on this version that I have with commentaries from Jason Zweig uh, on page 203, I have put the picture of the book in the, in the podcast picture. Uh, on the page 203, there is a paragraph. It's 113 words. And on uh, what Jason Zweig says, he said this, Jason is saying, this may well be the single most important paragraph in Graham's entire book. In these 113 words, Graham sums up his lifetime of experience. You cannot read these words too often. They are like kryptonite to bear markets. If you keep those close at hand and let them guide you throughout your investing life, you will survive whatever the markets throws at you. So that's a great introduction. Okay, so we, I'm reading to you a book that is the book that is, has been told by Warren Buffett to be the greatest book written on, on, on investment. I am on chapter eight, which is by Buffett standard, the best chapter of the book. <laughs> and now I am in, at the one paragraph at page 203 of 113 words and I'm reading them and I will read it to do. I will not do you the end the offense of not reading that paragraph because of the introduction is too long it's longer than the paragraph actually so <laughs> here i go it's from graham's book but note this important fact the true investors scarcely ever is forced to sell his shares and at all other times he is free to disregard the current price quotation he need pay attention to it and act upon it only to the extent that it suits his book and no more thus the investor who permits himself to be stampeded or unduly wor worried by unjustified market declines in his holdings is perversely transforming his basic advantage into a basic disadvantage. That man would be better off if his stocks had no market quotation at all, for he would then be spared the mental anguish caused him by other persons' mistake of judgment. It is beautifully uh, written. Um, very well said, very well crafted. I could not have not written that, of course, but it is that. So because of the quotation, and now we have, you know, I have an iPhone and you have an iPhone or a Samsung or what have you, and we can have the quotes every second. Each time I take my phone, I can go and check my quotes and stuff like that. So it's very, very easy. You know, they talk about the Facebook and uh, all the addiction we have when we go on social media and stuff like that. They forget to say about the stock market. So when you have easily all your quotes in front of you, it's very, very easy to trigger fear, anxiety, or even excitement. Because if the stocks go up, you have excitement. But when there is too much excitement, then you have anxiety because you don't want to lose what you just gained and all that stuff. So the advantage it can give you because it gives you lots of information. It can trigger your mechanism and you stop being an investor and you begin to be a speculator and that is the greater danger so i thought i will do that podcast today for you because i see the market i see we're hitting all-time highs 
uh, right now and I hear my phone ring and I see some email coming in and some on LinkedIn and I say, huh, there is something about the time. And yes, I have something else for you. So it's from uh, Schwab, uh, Schwab Center for Financial Research. And then the data are provided by Standard & Poor's. So it is a bit, the, the return I was, I was talking to you about is between 1996 and 2015. So the S&P the 500, the stock market return between uh, 1996 to 2015. If you were all the time invested in the S&P 500, you will have gained 8.2% uh, each year. So every, every year since 1996 to 2015, 8.2%. If you missed, because you were on the sideline, because you were afraid of this and that, and you were on the sideline, and you just missed the top 10 days of uh, the stock market, you know, because we talk sometimes about the crash, and I have lived the 1987 uh, crash uh, Monday on October 19, and when it, it came down 22%. So I've lived that. <laughs> I'm old. And then, but if you take the uh, 10 days out of the equation, instead of having 8.2%, you will have 4.5% a year. So just 10 days over 20 years, that's uh, a day every two years okay you have one you miss one day every two years and your return will be not eight percent but four percent if you miss just one day per year that's the 20 best days in 20 years you miss you are not there when you have the 20 best days of return you your return will be 2.1 percent per year instead of eight that's incredible it's just one day out of each year and each year we have about 200 business days. So that's less than 1%, it's 0.5%. And if you exclude, and I'm pushing it a bit, but I have the data, so I will give it to you. If you exclude the best 30 days over 20 years, that's not that much, it's 1.5 day every every year, you, your return will be zero. That's, that's all, your return will be zero because you will have missed the best days. And who knows when are the best days? We, we don't, we don't. So that's why Benjamin Graham was talking about the anguish, the anxiety of being in and being out. And nowadays, it's funny because I had that type of phone calls uh, 10 years ago when it was a crashing market in 2008, 2009. My phone was ringing and my LinkedIn account was, was buzzing too at that time. And now it's the same, but because we, have, we are 10 years uh, uh, older, we are 10 years in the, the bull market, the great bull market. And people have the same anxiety. Uh, we don't know if we have one year or two more years to go. We don't know what will be the correction. So my my advice to you, it will not be my advice, but it will be Benjamin Graham's advice, is to stay the course and you will never be uh, forced to sell. But just know that if you are you are your client, because many of my uh, people that listen to this podcast are advisor or financial planners, um, if your customers are too anxious, the problem is not the stock market, the problem is not the mutual funds or the, the management of the funds, the problem is that the, the, um, they, are, they, they are not able to take the heat, they, they don't have a good profile, they are not suited to be in the stock market. The same thing would go for if you want to run a marathon and you don't have the health to run a marathon, you don't run the marathon. If you uh, are afraid of height, you should not be at the top of the Empire State Building and you are afraid of flying, you will not be at ease in a plane. 
So if you are not able to sustain losses, you can not able emotionally or financially to sustain losses with your money, you should never be in the stock market in the first place and you should not ask those questions. If you are an investor, stay the course, stay, stay through and don't look at the quotes. And if you want to look at the quotes and you want to do something about it, just know that you're not an investor anymore. You've become a speculator and you should set aside that money in a separate account to not play with all your money. So that was Pierre-Luc Poulain on this special uh, podcast about Benjamin Graham's book. I have not done, I, I was <laughs> I was aiming for, to do the whole chapter eight, but there is too much stuff in there. So I will come back later to do a second part of that great, great book. And just reading a couple of pages and reading that paragraph, uh, you know what? It gives me great, uh, great pleasure and great uh, sense. And it will help me to, to help uh, the advisors and the, the counselors and the, the people that will continue to phone me. So I wish you have a great day. Thank you. Uh, for listening to me and I'll see you next time. Bye.